Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. If you're ready for the word today, let me hear somebody say, I'm ready. Look at somebody that you came to church with and tell them you need it more than I do today. Come on. You need it more than I do. In the Bible, in the book of Daniel, there was these three young Hebrew men of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they worked for a king who was not a godly man. He was godless. They were godly. He was godless. In fact, he was not only godless, but he really liked himself. He was really self-absorbed. He was all about himself. And he built this 90-foot golden image of himself. That's a lot of love for yourself. You know that, right? You know anybody like they really like themselves? Can you think of somebody right now? If you could think of somebody, raise your hand. You know somebody that really, I know people, I know some people that like themselves so much nobody else likes them. Have you ever met anybody like that? And so the king, he, uh, he builds this golden image of himself, 90 feet tall, and he makes this decree and he says, that everybody must bow down to this golden image and worship it or you will be thrown into the fire, the fiery furnace. So here was the deal is that you need to bow down to this image, bow down or be burned alive, right? Comply or die. And that's what I want to talk about today. So Before I do, I'm going to pray again, if you'll pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is good, that it is better than life, that it is our daily bread, that is everything we need for every moment of our day. Thank you that your word guides us, it leads us, it protects us, it encourages us, it also challenges us, it convicts us. And God, we're grateful for your holy written word of God. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. Let's give our worship team a round of applause. Appreciate you guys. Always, always, always. You may have heard me say this before, and I just want to say it again, that just because something is made right does not make it right. Thank you, Sam. One person's feeling that. Just because the world decides something is right doesn't mean that the word has decided it's right. Because the word does not change. So the world is always changing. The world is always changing based on culture and consensus. But just because the world Make something right doesn't mean that the word has made it right. This was what Daniel is about. This is what it was about. Daniel himself faced this with the idea of prayer. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing this in their culture. The king decides this is what we're going to do. This is now the law. This is now the decree. You need to bow down or you will be burned alive. Here's my question for you today is what would you do? If you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what would you do? Now, I know it's easy to just quickly say, oh, I would definitely not comply. I would definitely be burned alive for Jesus. I would definitely die for God. But I think if you put yourself in the scenario or even we can put ourselves in modern scenarios, I'm not sure 
what our answer would be because culture has a funny way of making what's wrong seem what's right. Culture, see, can sometimes be so overwhelming, so convincing, and so intimidating that we feel like, man, I've got to comply. Culture has a powerful way of making you think that the world's way is the right way, and it's the normal way, and everybody thinks this way, so what's wrong with you? In fact, this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. It says, the world, they say that what is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right, that black is white and white is black, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. That is what the world does. It is not a new concept to the 2020s. That is what the world has always done. That the world, not the word, the world, the population of the world has less believers in Jesus than more. And so the consensus of the world that changes with culture and they go, that's what we think is right now for this day and age. And this is important because the world can also try to bully you into its mold and make you comply with its way or else they'll blackball you. They'll slander you. They'll make an example out of you. They will cancel you. This is what the world does. This is why it says in Romans 12, verse 2. Look at this verse with me. Romans 12, 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let's read this out loud together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So my question is, what would you do? If there was a decree made today, what would you do? Comply or die? Now, if you've been with me for the last 12 years, you've heard me say this. I said this about 10 years ago. I could see in our lifetime, I could see in my lifetime, the Bible becoming outlawed in this nation. I could see that. I could see at the very least parts of the Bible with an attempt to remove parts of the Bible because that doesn't align with what culture believes. Hey, listen, I, I think this, this, there's never been a time in your life more important than right now to get your hands on a lot of physical copies of the Holy Bible because the Bible on your phone can be turned off. You understand that. The Bible could be turned off. It could be blocked. The, 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 the ways of the world are not the ways of God's word. So what would you do? Would you comply or would you be willing to die? Bow down or be burned alive? And I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to the king. In verse 18 of chapter three, king we are not going to bow down. We know that our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. We know that God's gonna set, listen, we're not bowing down. We're not complying to a law that goes against God's law. We're not complying to a law, no matter how powerful the person is that implemented it, no matter how powerful the system is that implemented it, no matter how powerful popular consensus is that believes that's now right, we are not going to comply and bow down to a false God because we know the real, true, living God. And you can throw us in that fire, King, because our God will save us. But I got news for you. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. 
because I would rather die for the truth than live for a lie. Because I would rather die doing the right thing than live doing the wrong thing. And he says, our God will set us free. And I love this because we know what the word says. It says that who the son sets free is free indeed. We know that the word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We know that the word says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. We know that the word says, but we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We know that the word says that I am more than a conqueror and that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon. No fire. No valley. No storm. Listen, no fear. No depression, no guilt, no shame, no addiction, no betrayal, no rejection, no insecurity, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So King, we are not going to bow down because we know that our God will save us. He will save us. And I choose to put my trust in his hands and not in your hands. Man, the king was angry. As you can imagine, he was hot. In fact, the king was so mad that he went and heated up the fiery furnace seven times hotter than its normal hot. Its normal hot still burned people alive. So I'm not really sure what good that did. I'm so mad, heat that thing up seven times hotter. And the Bible says that the guards went they tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they threw them in the fiery furnace, and it was so hot that it burned the guards up alive. Burned them alive. I just think that some of you might be going through your own personal fire today. It might be a fire in your marriage. It might be that your emotions are under fire. Your health is under fire. Your mental state of mind is under fire. Your hope is under fire. Maybe your finances. I don't know what fire you might be in right now, but I want you to know this. The fire is for you, not against you. The fire is for you. Look at somebody and tell them, the fire is for you. The fire is for you, not against you. And that's what I want to talk about in this outline for a few minutes. Four reasons the fire is for you. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. Number one, the first reason the fire is for you is because it proves God's presence in my life. It proves the presence of God in my life. Listen, sometimes you got to get thrown into the fire so you'll start looking around for God. Sometimes God allows you to get into situations where there is no way out except God. If you can get out on your own, you're not in a fire. Man, I cannot get out of this. I am in the middle of a fire and everything around me is going up in flames. I have no other way out except God. And this happens at times in life for all of us. You know, you're going along, life is great. And then boom, something lights in fire. Boom, all of a sudden a fire breaks out and the flames are burning all around you. And there's only one way out of this fire and that is by God. Without God, you're not getting out of this fire. Without God, you're not getting through this fire. But the good news is, is not only is the fire for you, it's that God is actually in the fire with you. He's not looking in from the outside. He's on the inside with you. And God gives us this promise that you'll never go through a fire without God going with you. So whatever fire you might be in today, I want you to know 
that God is with you. He is with you. And that changes everything. This is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with you. God is with you. One of my life verses is Isaiah 43.2. I want to read this one to you. Isaiah 43.2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. While Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in that fire, the king came back to check on them, and he couldn't believe what he was seeing. Because Daniel, chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 says, the king said, didn't we throw three men in there all bound up? He said, I see four men in there who are loosed and one looks like the son of God. You know why it looked like the son of God? Because it was the son of God. Because God is in the fire with you today. Listen, no matter what fire you might be in today, you're not alone, God is with you. And let me tell you this, all the forces of hell cannot stop what God has ordained for your life. There is no fire that God won't see you through. God is with you. This is why I love Psalm 23 because David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I shall fear no evil because you are with me. It would be a very different verse without that last piece. I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I feel no evil. Nope, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. That changes everything. God is with me. I'm going to go through fires in life. I'm going to go through valleys in life. I'm going to go through storms in life. But I'm going to go through them with God being with me. His presence goes with me. Even though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, God, you are with me. I also like that David said the valley of the shadows of death because shadows of death is not the valley of death. The valley of the shadows of death is a different concept than the valley of death. And he uses the word shadows. And you know shadows are bigger than reality because that's what fear does. It makes you think the worst. Fear amplifies everything. Have you ever lived that one out? So he says the valleys of the shadows of death. It's bigger than reality. The other thing about shadows, they've never hurt anybody. Ever. A shadow has never taken a man's life. That I know of. And the other thing about shadows is that anywhere there is a shadow... That means there's always a light. And Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. So I choose to focus on the light and not the dark. Let me give you number two. The fires of life, they also prove God's power in my life. I, I, I think somebody needs to hear this like deep in your soul that there is nothing too difficult for God. With God, all things are possible. Because sometimes we can look at this situation in our life and think, man, there's no way. But if we look at the word and we listen to what God says, there's always a way. 
With God, all things are possible. There's nothing too big, nothing too difficult for God. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in that fire, that's when God started showing off. That's when God put his full power on display. Daniel chapter 3, verse 27. Look at this verse. Daniel 3, 27. The fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, can you imagine for a minute, the guards died on the spot from just throwing them in and getting too close to the fire, just because they were too close. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the middle of the fire, but because God is with them, there was not a hair on their head that was burned, no smell, no burns, no pain, no trauma, no hurts, because that's how powerful God is. And I believe that whatever fire you're in today, that God is so powerful that when he brings you out of that fire, that no pain, no trauma, no burns, no hurts, no smell, there will be no negative evidence that you were ever in a fire. I love the descriptions of the Bible. I do. I always love the descriptions of the Bible because it says not a, that not a hair on their head was They didn't even smell. Isn't that a cool little detail? Because, because you and I know when you get around a fire, you come away smelling like that fire. Right? How, how many of you have been to a campfire? You've been to a campfire? Some of you haven't been? That's terrible. <laughs> like, you You've been to a campfire, and then you go home, and you smell like campfire. If I'm grilling in the backyard, I smell like I was grilling in the backyard. You smell. Some of you all smoke cigarettes. We can smell you. Some of you all smoke a cigarette right before you came in, you know. I don't know why I held it like a joint, but... How do you do a cigarette? Like this? Why do they have two different styles? I just revealed how dark my past is. I said, man, you smoke. Listen, some of you smoke, you know, and we smell. We can, I just want you to know you, you can spray and all that. We still smell. We just smell the smoke in the spray. We smell the Gucci Marlboro. You know what I'm saying? That's. <laughs> Sometimes I'm at the Suns game and I take a walk, you know, through the concourse of the arena. And I'm like, dude, dude, as high as a. You can smell like five feet away. That was some serious weed right there. Like this dude. He don't even know what the score is right now. Like, he is just probably did 15 laps around the concourse. Like, it don't even matter. I'm feeling fine right now. We can smell. I love this. He says, no evidence. No evidence that they were ever inside of this fire. See, that is God's power. It's, it's the fire that you're in today, by the way, is not even only about you. Because as you read this story, the king is tripping. And then he says, whoever this God that you serve is, I want to serve that same God. It made me think this last week, how many people will witness the power of God because of the fire that you're in today. Because not only are people watching the fire that you're in, but they're gonna watch the fire that you come out of. How many people are gonna witness the power of God because of the fire that you're in today? Fires of life reveal God's power. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me say that my favorite Bible character, other than Jesus himself, is the Apostle Paul. You know why I like Paul? Because he just shows us all of his flaws. Don't you like that? 
Like, I like that. I, I think the greatest leaders are not the ones who lead by their strengths, but they lead by their weaknesses. And that's what actually makes them strong. If you're a leader and you got employees, you got team member staff, you're a coach, whatever, and everybody, you, you act like you have it all together. Let me, let me just say, first of all, we can see right through all that. We know you're a mess. But I love Paul because, man, he goes through, you read the, the, the writings of Paul in Romans 7, 15. He's like, I don't understand why I do what I say I'm not going to do. Then I do it anyway. I don't understand. I say I'm not going to do that. And then I do that. <laughs> and, and I just think that's cool. Because most preachers, teachers, pastors, bishops, popes, good reverends, reverends, bad reverends, <laughs> they, they, they act like they have all their crap together. And the reality is that they're human. Paul was human. He was a man of God, but he was human. So I like Paul because he shows this human side over and over and over throughout his writings. Paul had been through some fires. Paul had been through some fires. He was put in prison many times. He had been shipwrecked three different times. He had been beaten and whipped. He ended up being martyred for the cause of Christ, but he had been through some stuff. And, and I love this in, in 2 Corinthians 12. Look what he says here. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. But each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Uh, another translation, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. Paul said, I was given this thorn in my flesh from the devil himself. It was sent to torment me. I've got this thorn. I don't want this thorn in my life. I've said, God, please take this thorn away. And God says, I'm not going to take that thing away, but I'm going to put another thing in you, my grace. I'm not going to take the thorn away, but I'm going to put the grace inside of you. Grace is all you need. And then he says, my power, God's power works best in your weaknesses, in your weaknesses. When you are at your weakest moment is when God can show off his greatest strength in your weaknesses. When I am weak, he is strong. See, when I'm weak and I've got nothing left, now I get myself out of the way so God can get in the way. When I am weak, Paul, I'm not taking it out but I'm gonna put something in you and it's called my grace. By the way, do you know, do you believe this, that God is a miracle maker? I believe that God is a miracle maker. He's a miracle worker. I believe that God has a bag full of miracles. He could, he could fix your problem in a thousand different ways. And he's going to fix it in this one way. It's gonna be the one way that you will never be able to take credit for it because only God can do what God can do. See, sometimes God's miracle is that he puts the fire out. Sometimes God's miracle is that he takes you out of the fire. But every time God's miracle is that he gets in the fire with you. And the greatest miracle is when God puts the fire within you. You know that the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is a consuming fire. For our God is a consuming fire. 
John in the book of Luke chapter 3 verse 16, he said, I baptize you with water. Remember John the Baptist? I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is more powerful than I, and I am not worthy to tie his sandals together. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is good because God is an all-consuming fire, and God wants to put his fire within you. And one thing I've learned about fires in my own life is anytime something is on fire, people stop and look. If people aren't watching you in your walk with Jesus Christ, you're not on fire. If people are not taking notice of the passion and the zeal that you have for Jesus Christ, you are not on fire. I'm not saying you're not saved. You're not on fire. Because anytime something's on fire, people notice. You be driving down the road and something's on fire. It's like, look, there's a fire. I've been on I-10 before and the desert is on, is on fire. I don't even know what there is to burn in the desert. But something out there is on fire. People slow. It, traffic jam. Go from 65 to 5. Because I got to see that mesquite tree burning on fire. Anytime something is on fire and God wants to put the fire within you. He wants to light your life spiritually on fire. And when you are at your weakest points in life, that is when God can show off his greatest strength. Paul went on to say this in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Man, this is good. This is good. This is good. I could preach for two hours on this one verse. This is good. Because we don't do this. I don't even want you to know about my weaknesses. I'm perfect. <laughs> right? And if I'm not perfect, I'm going to at least make believe I am. Nobody's waking up with bedhead posting selfies. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to make sure you think we're amazing. That's how insecure we are. And so I love this because he says, now I'm glad to boast about my, why? Why would I be glad to boast, to brag about my weaknesses? So that the power of Jesus Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in my insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, that's when I'm really strong. So the fires, they, they prove God's presence. Let's look at number three. It's my favorite one until we get to number four. <laughs> number three is that the fires of life, they prepare me for God's purpose for my life. Just like a diamond cannot be made without heat or pressure, you cannot become everything God wants you to become without heat and pressure. You'll never, ever become everything God's purpose for you to become without the fires of life. And the truth is, in life, there are no wild fires. There are only controlled fires. God allows controlled fires to refine you, to refine you. Look at Isaiah 48.10. The Bible says, I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I've refined you in the furnace of suffering. Isn't that great news? Some of you are in the furnace of suffering today. I've been in that furnace of suffering many times in my life. And it's important to remember 
that when you're in the furnace of suffering, when you're in the middle of the fire, that that fire is for you, not against you. It is for you. God is trying to do his great work inside of you. If you're in a fire today, listen, I've learned this about my own life. Before every great blessing, there's always a great testing. And so if you're in the fire today, I want to be the first to say congratulations because God is getting ready to bless you. God is getting ready to pour out his blessing and his favor on your life before every great blessing comes a testing. God uses these fires to refine us, to grow our faith, to grow our trust in him, and to grow our character, and to burn the impurities away. It's like the silversmith who was asked, how do you know when the impurities are burned away in the silver? And he said, I know when I can see my own reflection in the silver. See, when God can see his own reflection inside of you, he knows you're ready. He knows you're ready. He is trying to make you more like him. If you were here last week, I preached and I talked about faith. And I talked about how God can grow our faith. And that Romans says that faith comes by hearing God's word. If you want more faith, you need more of God's word, but faith also comes through God testing it. He tests your faith. He tests it. it. It's just like what he did with Abraham in Genesis 22. God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. And Abraham and his wife Sarah had been given a promise decades before this moment that I will give you a son. Eventually, Abraham's 100 years old, Sarah's 90, and Sarah gets pregnant. The Bible says she laughed. When God told her, you're going to have a baby, she laughed. You would too. If anybody's 90 in here, and you became pregnant, you would do more than laugh. <laughs> and they finally received this promise. And Isaac, and as Isaac's growing as a child, God says, I want you to take Isaac and sacrifice him on the altar. Now, now I don't know about you, but I'm not doing that ever. I have a son, Josiah. He's named after the king, Josiah, in the Bible. And the Bible says that Josiah was an eight-year-old king. It's actually why I have this tattoo right here. It says king. And it's got my son's basketball number and a little crown in it because he's my king. I know, aw. And Josiah was a king. And it's interesting because... My one and only son is, he's like my best friend, literally, my homie, my dude. We do everything together. We talk, we laugh, we, we, we roll together. He's 18, he's my guy. He's my one and only son. I have two daughters. He's my one and only son. Although I told Daniel he could be my spiritual son, so really I have two sons right now. But let's just say Daniel, JoJo's up here, and you decided to lose your mind. And you jumped on stage, and you put a gun to my son's head, and you were going to take him out. And I'm begging you, no, Psycho Daniel, please, <laughs> please, I'll do anything. Is there any other way? And if Psycho Daniel, if you said, the only other way for me to spare Josiah I'll spare his life, but I'm going to kill everybody else in here. I got news for all y'all. 
you're going to be with Jesus a lot sooner than you thought. That's my one and only son. That's how I feel about it. So God tests Abraham. God was never going to let Abraham take his son's life, ever. He was testing his faith. The Bible says Abraham took his son, walked up the side of the mountain. Little Isaac's like, yo, daddy, where's the sacrifice? Boy, too many questions. Like, just keep walking. They get up to the top, ties his son to the altar, takes out his knife, and right before he does anything, God says, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a finger on the boy. Now I know, now I know where your true love and loyalty lies. Because even that promise of Isaac, you didn't put him before me. And did you know that the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, where we get the Ten Commandments, that the Bible says the first commandment, the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. And then he says, for I am a jealous God. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and then everything else will be added to you. We get that backwards. Seek first my career. Seek first my paycheck. Seek first success. And I'll try to kind of stick God in there along the way. So this is a test of faith. And God grows your faith. He builds your faith. He stretches your faith by testing your faith. Do you know that there's only one time in the Bible where God says, test me? Do you know that? Once. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And it's in regard to tithing. Does everybody know what tithing is? It's when you give God 10% of all you earn. It's a tithe. The Old Testament talks first fruits. The tithe is your first fruit. If I had 10 fruits, you're your fruit. Come here. You're going to be a fruit. Come up here. Come up here. Stop holding her hand and get up here for a second. Jump, jump, jump. You're fruit. Can I use you? Fruit number two. Yeah, yeah. How about you two young fellas? Can I use you? Fruit threes and fours. Come on. Come on up here, Chuck. Fruit number five. Can you help? No, don't. It's fine. I'm going to grab guys. I need you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. You and Sam, you come up here too. And one, two, three, four. Uh, five, six, okay, Vanessa, come on, I need you. Can you jump up here? We got, hey, by the way, we got a UFC fighter right here in Vanessa. That's, 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 okay, how many fruits do I have? How many fruits do I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I need two more fruits. Yeah, yes, sir, come on up here and, and just don't kill me. Yeah, come on, one more. Just, just, just don't kill me. Just don't hurt me because you look bad to the bone. You know what I'm saying? Just all love, all love, all love. No bulls. It's Phoenix Suns only. Okay, so. If, if, if you guys are, are, are my, this is my income. This is what I made this week. Okay? So the, fir- the first fruits are, I made 10 humans. Okay? And, 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 and now I have it in my account. My first fruit tithe is I'm going to give Chuck to the Lord. <laughs> Thank God. Not, hey, listen, not to the United Way, not to the Travis Hearn Foundation. It, this isn't my law, it's God's law. Okay? It, and so, and so I, I get this question. By the way, this isn't even in my notes. This is must, somebody need to hear this because this isn't even in any of my notes. That's why the scriptures aren't on the screens, but they're in the Bible. Okay, you can look them up. And so, so, so Chuck, let's go back here. This is a question I get. Dude, you're jacked, boy. Man, my gosh, dude. My word. Okay. And so, 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 so here's a question I get all the time. Well, PT, do we tithe off the net? <laughs> or the girl? Like everybody trying to shortcut God. Like, you know what I'm saying? Do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? Which blessing do you want? Okay. Now, 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 I understand right at this very moment, there is a large percentage of you that don't tithe. I, I'm well aware of that. 
It's, I don't know who does and who doesn't, obviously. But I, I just want to say that this is the biblical teaching on it, okay? So, so if I were to give like a net tithe, what would I, chop your leg off or something? I mean, what would I do with Chuck? Cut a toe? Cut a couple toes? Like, what would I do with Chuck? The reason it's the first fruit is because God's first. Okay, let, let me break this down just a little bit further. Because a lot of times, what I think is most people want to give God their tithe. But as Americans, we spend more than we make. And I got news for you. It doesn't matter if you make 30 grand a year, 100 grand a year, a million. Do you know I have walked through some athletes in my ministry career that made several million a year that were filing bankruptcy as active rostered athletes? It's not a shame on them. It's just our way, right? I tend to spend everything I make. And so what happens is if I don't give God my first, I say, you know what? This is the typical American home. Got to pay the mortgage or the rent. That's a big nut. Got to pay my car that I really can't afford either. Got to pay $19 in gas, thanks to Biden's whole administration. And I got to pay, and I got to pay. Hey, 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 I'm not saying. No, 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 listen. I, it, it could have been a Republican in office too. I'm just saying, uh, I, I feel like I need to say this. I am not loyal to a right or left party. I am a registered independent. Now, now I know some of you hate me for that, but I'm just saying, it, it's just under this particular moment, I did pay almost $6 a gallon. Okay, so, and then I got my Macy's credit card and I got my Nordstrom's and I got my name and Marcus and I gotta go to the UFC fight and I gotta watch yeah. Vanessa. And so I got my, which, what do you wanna be, Gucci? <laughs> Sam, Gucci, Sam. And, 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 then, and then what do you wanna be? You wanna be like uh, entertainment? I gotta watch some movies and watch some, star. yeah, movie star. And, and, then, and then I say, you know what? What happens is, what happened was, I still have like my utility bills and stuff like that. So I got to pay my utility bills. And then like I wanted to, it wasn't that I didn't want to give to the Lord. I wanted to give to the Lord. I just got nothing to give to the Lord because my heart, you know my heart, God. <laughs> and so that's why it's called a first fruit. Because if it's the last fruit, <laughs> there's no fruit left. Right? But this is. This is the principle. Now, I just want to say this one more thing. You know, this church began. It began. Because some people like, oh, I make a lot of money. If I tithe 10, you know how much money? It's all the same. 10% is 10%, yes or no? If I make 100 grand, 10% is? Isn't that the same to me as if I make them? That's why God put percentage and not numbers. That's why he didn't say everybody must give $50. Because for some, we would be like, I don't have it. And others would be like, okay, good, I'm getting off easy. And, 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 and you're not going to go to hell if you don't tithe. You're just not going to put God first. And you're certainly not helping build the kingdom of God. Because to help build the kingdom of God, you got to be financially giving to the kingdom of God. Okay, you guys, fire. Great job. I did not do this the first service. So I want you to know you're special. I'm proud of you. Now get off the stage. Thank you. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Thank you, man. And, and, and I don't know if anybody watches UFC, but Holly Holm got robbed last night. She won that fight for sure all day long. So this is what Malachi, careful, Sam. Gucci Sam, be careful. This is what Malachi says. And, and, and this is why I say he says, test me. This is why he says, he says, test me in this. He says, bring your whole tithe, test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on your life that you don't have enough room for it. That is what the actual word says. And so it's a test. It's scary. If somebody has never tithed, that is a big step. That's a scary step. But what I was going to say a minute ago is this church was built on the seed of a tithe, I know he probably hate me for saying this, but 
when Andre, Pastor Andre played for the Arizona Cardinals, he got a $55 million contract, $11 million bonus. Sucks to be that, huh? <laughs> $11 million bonus, you know that he wrote a check to the ministry for $1.1 million. Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying like, I'm not saying we wouldn't be here if it weren't for that moment, but we probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for that moment. And so it's a test. God tests our faith. He tests it. He stretches it. He grows our faith through these tests in life. And here's another thing that I've learned about my own life. The greater the test, it's because God is saying greater the testimony. The greater the test, the greater the testimony. The greater the fire, the greater the miracle. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and that fire is for you. You remember the story of Jonah? One lady, thank you for that. Jonah had a purpose in life. This was Jonah's purpose. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel because they're wicked and evil. And, and, and just to understand the context of Nineveh, they were like the old, the old ISIS. In fact, if you trace the bloodline and the territorial line from ISIS to Nineveh, it's the same, it's the same people. And the Ninevites were notoriously evil and wicked. They killed God's people. They burned them alive. They skinned them alive. They beheaded God's people and put their heads on posts so that everybody would be in fear. Does this sound familiar? And God says, Jonah, buddy, I, I got some, some good news for you. I want you to go preach to Nineveh. They need a revival. And Jonah was like, oh, heck no, uh-uh. And the Bible says Jonah went the complete opposite direction. Not only that, he boarded a ship. He paid a fare. He paid money to run from God. <laughs> How many know you can't outrun God? I mean, you really can't do that. And so he gets on this ship, and what do you think, what do you think happened? What do you, what, let's say it this way. What happens to you when you run from God? All of a sudden, a storm comes. And it, it, it's a life-threatening storm. Oh, they're all terrified. Everybody on the boat. By the way, when you run from God's will and purpose, it's not going to just create a storm for you. It's going to create a storm for everybody around you who loves you. And they're like, dude, what's going on? Like, this is crazy. We're going to die. Jonah, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of do. It's me. It's because I'm running from God. What? You're the reason for this? Yeah. You know what? Throw me overboard. Storm will calm. Like, are you sure, dude? Okay. Throw him over. Like, didn't have to convince him. With friends like that, who needs enemies? Storm calms. We know the story. Jonah gets swallowed up by fish. He's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And eventually the fish goes and spits him out on the shores of Nineveh. There's a life lesson in this. You can either do it your way or you can do it God's way. But if you start out by doing it your way, it's still going to end up God's way. Because he has a purpose for your life. And I think it's interesting because that belly of the fish was Jonah's come to Jesus moment. That belly of the fish was the furnace in his life. In fact, in Jonah 2 verse 7, he says, when I lost all hope, I once again was turning my thoughts towards God. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Let's look at number four. I preached way too long. It was that tithing thing. Sorry about that. Number four, the fires of life, they deepen my prayer in my praise. It's kind of hard to look at it like this, but there's nothing like rock bottom to draw you closer to Jesus. There's nothing like a dead end 
to make you completely dependent on God. There's nothing like a fiery furnace to make me turn my entire attention to God to put my entire dependency on him. There's nothing like the thorn in my flesh to make me dependent on God. Nothing gets you closer to heaven than a journey through hell. You're never as close to Christ as when you're in the middle of a crisis. And so the fire, it deepens my roots in God. The more pain, the more I pray. The more prayers, the more praise. Because God is a God who answers prayer. In the Old Testament, there was this woman named Hannah. And the Bible says that Hannah wasn't able to have children. She was deeply grieved. I just want a baby. I just want a baby. The Bible says in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. God, please, I just want a child. God, I'm weeping bitterly out to you. It's those moments in life of hardship and trial that bring us closer to Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants in your life. Listen, if you're in the fire today, I just want to encourage you that you need to become a prayer warrior. You need to bombard heaven in your prayer life and don't stop. Pray, 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 and also praise. I want to give you my personal thoughts on praise, and this is what I'll close with, is that there are two types of praise. There's pretty praise, and there's ugly praise. And pretty praise looks like this. My life is good. I'm blessed. I got a lot of money. I got my relationships good, my family's good, my family's health is good, God is good, God is good, praise God. That's pretty praise. Ugly praise is when you're going through hell and you're not sure if you're going to make it and you open up that mouth and you praise God anyway and you say, God I don't know if I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to give you praise anyway. God, I'm in the middle of a fire, but I'm going to give you praise anyway. I'm in the middle of this storm, and my life is being threatened, but I'm going to praise you anyway. And I'm going to praise you because, listen, God, I know you're going to rescue me. I know you're going to deliver me. But, God, even if you don't, I will go down giving you praise. Because I know that you know. I know that you know what's best. I have this saying in my life, and it's kind of become like my theme for the last 12 months. And this is my saying is God, I'm good with whatever you're good with. I'm good with whatever you're good with. So help me to keep my focus on you and my trust on you and my praise on you. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence here today. God, we, we feel it. We sense it. We never take you for granted. Lord, we're, we're just grateful. We're grateful that you are a good God. If you're here today, Maybe you've never taken a step to put God first, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Maybe you've not taken a step to say, you know what, God, you're number one. You're number one. I've been chasing all these other things in life. I've been chasing relationships and success and money or security or whatever it might be. Listen, I, I just want to encourage you. Take this step of faith. Take this step of faith. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. You just run after God, he'll take care of the rest. You pursue God, he'll take care of the rest. And if you're here today and you want to make God number one, I just want you to pray in your own heart right where you are. Jesus, today I make you number one. 
Jesus, today I put you first. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and putting me first. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy and unconditional love. God, teach me to be a man of God. Teach me to be a woman of God. Teach me to be a child, an imitator of our Father. God, we're grateful for your love today. I pray for anybody who feels like they're in the fire of life today. I want you to know that the fire is for you. And I believe that God is refining you. And I believe that you're going to come out without a single shred of negative evidence that you were ever even in that fire. That fire is refining you. God is preparing you. God is preparing you for something huge in your future. So God, I pray that we put our eyes on you We put our hope in you, our trust in you, knowing that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty and powerful and holy name. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. We love you, God. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.